Well, welcome tonight uh, to uh, our Bible study uh, with uh, the book of James on this midweek. Uh, we've survived uh, the first snowpocalypse. The second one is uh, imminent, inbound. Uh, make sure you stock up on water, toilet paper, bacon, and kale. Uh, those are all the things that we need to make sure that we have for this uh, next round of survival. But... Uh, uh, we're going to be in chapter three. We, we, we kind of moved on from chapter two. Uh, chapter three is a, uh, very, uh, if you will, probably in your face type of chapter. Um, it is, uh, by far one of the more convicting chapters, uh, of all of scripture. Um, it is, uh, you know, a lot of people will preach from it. A lot of people reference it, um, to go through and do an exhaustive study of the, the material that's there, um, is, uh, is kind of laborious because there is a lot of material to cover. And the reason is, is because God talks a lot about what comes out of our mouths. Um, it is uh, one of his primary concerns. Uh, in scripture, it says that every idle word is taken into account. Um, and that alone is a convicting verse when we think about it. And we'll, we'll eventually get to that uh, verse uh, as we go through this study. But uh, the, the Lord has a, a, an immense amount to talk about when it comes to to words. We're going to kind of look at uh, words in regards to authority, um, because that is a very important aspect of authority. And uh, we're going to find out what the Lord says about that. Uh, but let's go ahead and start off with a word of prayer first, and then we will uh, get into the lesson for tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the time that you've given to us. And Lord, I am just uh, so thankful that uh, you, you care so much to Give us this instruction and uh, to teach us that we can grow in you, that we can um, see very clearly what your desire is for us as believers and uh, how we are to uh, conduct ourselves very specifically about what we say. And uh, Lord, I just pray that uh, this evening as we uh, navigate this as we get into your word and see exactly what you have to say about all of the, these subjects regarding the mouth and our words that, uh, Lord, you would just make sure our hearts are uh, in the right place and that, Lord, you would just uh, clear out all the cares of the day that we'd be able to focus on hearing your voice and hearing your Holy Spirit guide us and direct us uh, into that path that uh, we need to be walking. And I pray, Lord, you just be with me and my thoughts that uh, all that we say and do tonight, Lord, would be glorifying, honoring, and pleasing unto you. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So in James chapter 3, in verse 1, uh, it starts off with, uh, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Uh, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth? Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a fire a little, excuse me, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on the fire of hell. For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. We're going to stop there. There's obviously a lot more that is contained as we move further down, 
But uh, uh, just looking at those first eight verses, we have obviously an idea of what the subject matter of this this chapter is. Um, there is, again, as I said, there is a lot to cover here. Um, we're, we're going to try to do our best to make sure that we understand all of this. Because, again, God put this in Scripture for us to learn from. Uh, he put this in Scripture for a reason. It didn't just get casually dumped in there. He's like, oh man, James chapter three is a little uh, sin. I think I need to add some detail to it. No, he, he added it for a specific reason. And, and, and this again is, you know, as we talked about last week with some of the doctrinal issues in chapter two, the principles that we see here are, if you will, uh, you know, pan dispensational, meaning that they, they, they go across all ages. Uh, it is not just applicable to say somebody in the tribulation period and say, oh, well, we don't have to worry about what we say. That, that, that is a complete total lie. That, 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 that's a false doctrine. You can't say, well, this only applies to Jews and things of that nature. No, this is, this is something that applies to all. Because when you do a study of scripture and you find that, uh, that other passages of scripture that aren't necessarily related to that, say, dispensation, age, or time period. It mentions the same things or similar words or similar uh, principles. You find that it is a, an application that God is giving to everyone that exists. Now, this is, again, written to believers. And as we read through this, you know, obviously we see that, that people would think automatically, okay, that tongue is, is a problem. But again, what we're talking about here is the one that is uncontrolled. This is the tongue that is not tamed. This is the tongue that is, uh, if you will, unwilling to yield. Uh, we'll get to a couple of verses as we go through this, but there talks about uh, saying things with that froward mouth. And that froward mouth, if you will, specifically, is one that is rebellious and one that is defiant or, if you will, is in sedition to the authorities that are over it. Specifically, the Word of God, specifically God himself, and, if you will, what we are supposed to control. It's us. And we just let it fly and we just say what we're going to say. That becomes a problem. You know, in this day and age, uh, uh, there's, there's this, there's this trend that is happening where Christians are saying, oh, well, God doesn't really care if we curse and we use foul language or things of that nature. Yeah, God does care. God does care. Um, uh, that's a problem because as we get through this and we start looking at uh, certain passages over in Matthew and over in Luke, it reveals what's in our heart. And if cursing is in our heart, then cursing is what's going to come out of our mouth. And we should not be ones that go around cursing, especially as we get down a little bit further when he starts talking about blessings and cursings coming out of the same mouth. That shouldn't be the case. So again, these uh, these principles line up a lot with what we talk about in Ephesians chapter 4 with uh, uh, communication and how the Lord clearly points these things out. Uh, it's really hard to praise God when things are being said that shouldn't be said. It's really hard to, if you will, uh, edify somebody if somebody is just uh, spewing uh, foul, nasty words towards an individual. Uh, it, it becomes a problem. But interestingly enough, the way that, uh, that James starts this off is he starts it off by addressing authorities. By addressing authorities. And one of the main issues is, is that, that authorities, in order to be an authority, there's multiple things that have to be in place. You know, obviously, Romans chapter 13 talks about authorities in place, uh, by, by God and how he puts them in place. But in order for an authority to have any substantial credence to it, there has to be a word or words behind it. Meaning that the words that come out are, are, are need to be words that are authoritative, that are congruent with what that authority is. 
Uh, I'm sure we can all think about people that have abused their powers, abused their authority by saying things, by, 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 by going above and beyond things. Um, you know, obviously because I follow a lot of the stuff with legal, some of the things that intrigue me are some of the HR cases. And there are some things that have been documented and recorded that, uh, um, employers have said, whether they're managers or owners, that they've said to other individuals that, that if you were to just listen to it, you would be like, that's no, that's illegal. You can't do those type of things. You can't say that. And what that does is that erodes the authority behind that person or that individual. Because if the wrong words are coming out, people are not going to give that authority credence or respect the way that it should be. And that becomes a problem. So he starts off with, obviously in verse 1, he says, My brethren, be not many masters. So let's talk about this uh, this concept of a master. You know, we we, we think about uh, masters as somebody that has, if you will, sometimes uh, almost all the knowledge that is necessary to accomplish something. Um, you know, there, in some of the trade industries, you have people that are apprentices, and then you have uh, masters, and so on and so forth that do that, people go and get a master's degree. And it, and it, again, talks about people that are, if you will, higher educated in things, whatever it may be, whatever that uh, that subject is. Now, that's important for us to understand because as we as believers, we are supposed to be educated and specifically in the word of God. We're supposed to have knowledge of his will. We're supposed to have knowledge of who he is. We're supposed to have understanding. We receive instruction. I mean, the whole book of Proverbs so that we can use the wisdom according to the way that God wants, which interestingly enough also shows up in this chapter, chapter three. Because again, if somebody is going to claim that they're wise and they know something, and if you are, if you will, are a master and are capable of saying things, then they need to make sure that they are saying the right things. They need to make sure that what they're doing is appropriate. Take a look at a couple of verses. I want you to turn first and foremost to to the book of John, John chapter 3. And in the Gospel of John, um, in, in this chapter, we have Nicodemus coming to Jesus Christ by night. And he's obviously of a group called the Pharisees. And in John chapter 3 and in verse 1, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, now, now we get an understanding of what type of, if you will, authority and power he had. Now, he comes to Jesus Christ and he starts asking some questions. Jesus Christ gives him some answers that he's a little confused on. But Jesus makes it very clear here to Nicodemus, he's not grasping the principal concept that Jesus Christ is saying. He's just not. Because in verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? He's just not getting it, if you will. And in verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto him, art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Think about this for a second. Here he is, very clearly, somebody that is supposed to be a ruler, somebody that is an overseer, somebody that, if you will, the Pharisees that walk about, if you will, lording over individuals. He's an individual that has that authority, has that power to say, this is what should be done, this is what shouldn't be done, this is what the scripture says, this is what God's will is, things of that nature. If you will, kind of like a scholar, somebody that knows stuff, knows about this subject matter. And Jesus asks him this question. He says, wait, aren't you supposed to know this? Isn't this something that you should already know? So we begin to see here that a master is supposed to know this. 
And when we start getting over to the book of James, we find very clearly that he is talking about individuals, specifically in chapter 3, that are over others. That they need to make sure that they are saying the right things. And this becomes very important because, if you will, every single one of us in some form or some sort have some sort of, if you will, authority over some other people, whether it's a, a, a child or your relationships or maybe it's an employer employee, maybe it's somebody that is a, a, a leader of their peers, whatever it may be, something of that nature, specifically in churches, things of that nature, individuals that should know better. And, 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 and throughout scripture, you know, Paul, as well as other, uh, uh, um, uh, writers make it clear, like, wait, why, why don't you know these things? Why don't you know these things? That's one of, if you will, uh, uh Paul's kind of, if you will, favorite phrases, know ye not? Like, why don't you know this? This, this should be something that is elementary. This should be something that is, uh, uh, if you will, very, very um, uh, much a, a foundational principle in the Christian life in, in, for believers. Almost like Paul and these writers are saying, hey, this is common sense. You should know this. So what a master is supposed to do is to be somebody that, if you will, exercises some authority over individuals and they can do that by teaching primarily and making sure what they're teaching matches also what their action is. Peter talks about it, about making sure our conversation to those that are without and to those that are within matches what God wants. We can't have an inconsistent conversation, meaning what we say and what we do don't align. That becomes a problem. That becomes an issue. Turn over the book of Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 13, and, 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 and I want to kind of set the stage for, for what James is saying here, and we'll get to the rest of that verse in just a minute, but Hebrews chapter 13, one of the things that uh, um, this this writer puts down, he says in verse 7, he says, remember them which have the rule over you. Now, again, this can be anybody. Anybody that is over you, whether it is a parental, whether it is a governance of, uh, of, uh, of man, whether it's, uh, you know, a boss type situation, whatever it may be. And, and very much as we're talking about here in some of these passages in Hebrews 13, uh, people that are spiritual. That, that, that understand, if you will, what God's requirements are. And he says here, remember them which have rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. So we know very clearly he's talking about spiritual ones. Whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Now this is an interesting thing. Because, and I want to align this because not only is James talking about or talking to individuals that could be authorities or masters over other individuals, but he's also talking about individuals that are going to be under those authorities and those masters. And when we look at this, here he's talking to those that are subject to them. And those are some words that a lot of people don't like to hear. Submit, subjection, yielding, surrendering. Those words right there automatically in just about everybody, and dare I say most Americans, just, you know, gets their hackles up. You know, the hair on the back of their mullet stands up and they start getting all excited about it. And like, oh, you're not going to have any. No, 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 no. God put government and put laws in for a reason, and he even put them there in the church for a purpose. People don't get that. People don't understand that. But here's where he's saying, he's saying, look, you need to remember those individuals that that you may have to answer to. 
Um, and you may have to deal with them. And these are individuals that have shown you things from the Word of God, that have taught you, that have, as he says here, spoken unto you the Word of God. And he says, look, you know, there are examples in that faith. You need to follow them. You need to follow what they're, what they're teaching you. And he says, the reason is, is because you need to consider them. Obedience is not just about the person obeying. Obedience is about who we're obeying. Cause, cause this is what it comes down to. If we're going to say that we love God, we are going to obey God. We're going to obey him with whatever he sell, tells us to do, right? I mean, that that's, again, one of those common, know ye not. I mean, that's a common sense. Christian 101, you do what God tells you to do. He saved your soul from hell. He forgave your sins. He gave you his righteousness. He He, 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 he gave you eternal life. You should know what God expects of you. You should know what God desires of you. And here he's saying, look, you need to consider, he says, considering the end of their conversation. Obedience is like a conversation. Conversations go back and forth. You can have a conversation with a person. One of the things that really just irritates me is, you know, there I am, I'm working or something like that. A phone number pops up and sometimes yeah, I, I, for a while there, I was just ignoring almost all calls that I did not under, know what area code it was from or anything of that nature. Cause I have no idea. Cause I get some crazy phone calls, crazy phone calls. And, um, and the church line is forwarded to my cell phone and I get some crazy ones. Let's just put it that way. Um, and, uh, so, so I try to screen them through some of the voicemail sometimes, but sometimes I'm looking at it and I'm going, man, I think that's a number that I need to answer and I'll pick it up and I will go, hello. And there's that long pause and you're like, no. And then sure enough, this is Susan from whatever how are you today? And you can tell you're so fake. <laughs> it's a robot. So I just start making stuff up. I say, I say weird things to it. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and it goes, Oh, well, I'm glad you're doing well. And it says, you know, would you like to discuss your extended warranty today? And you say, Winnebago. And they go, Oh, great. Let me put you in touch with a customer service click. I see I'm doing it the old fashioned way too. You guys remember when you used to like, you know, hang up really hard on people? Yeah. Nowadays, how you press that button, you're like, it doesn't have the same effect, you know, <laughs> but, 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 but therein is, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's a, it's a, it's a form of, if you will, fakery. It's not a real conversation. When we engage in a conversation with people, we, we want feedback. We want people to know they're listening. We want people to, uh, to acknowledge. We, I mean, all these things. We want people to respond, uh, so on and so forth in the conversation. Well, I'll tell you this. The conversation with people that are teaching and people that are listening, there has to be, if you will, a conversation realizing, if you will, and considering the end. Here's a teacher that's teaching something and you've got a student or a pupil over here that just does this. Like what? Huh? Just totally ignores everything you're saying. And if you've ever taught people or children before for that matter, man, that just lights you up. It lights you up, just being completely disregarded. And they know what they're doing, by the way, <laughs> most of the time. But when somebody is giving that instruction and somebody is, is, is showing you from the word of God, considering the end of their conversation is, is that they just 
if you will, imputed unto you some knowledge from the word of God, it's now in your lap to take what they have given you and use it for the glory of God to please God. So what they just did wasn't vain and fruitless. You consider their time. You consider that individual. That's what charity is about, right? Consideration. Being considerate. People in the United States of America today are not considerate. They are not considerate at all. I mean, you, you just just walk into any Walmart and, and and go to the shelf and look for consideration, and you'll find there's a ton of it still on the shelf. Nobody wants to buy. <laughs> it's just people just don't care anymore. They just don't care. And and we find that, that, that here he's he's saying. As believers, it is our responsibility to care, to consider that. Take a look at what he says a little bit further in verse 17. He says, obey them that have rule over you. Obey them that have rule over you. Meaning you don't get to walk off scot-free and just say, well, I only obey God, not man. Well, God put that authority in place. You, You need to obey it. Now, again, I understand that, you know, we live in a day and age where people abuse power. People abuse power all the time. And people have that saying, absolute power corrupts absolutely. You want to know one of the reasons why I hate that phrase? I hate that phrase because it's a direct insult to God. Who has absolute power? God. And it's basically saying he's corrupt. I don't like that. And they might try to say, well, no, we're talking about mankind. Mm, I don't think so. There's a lot of sayings that when you look back on, they're, they're really, really, really an insult towards God. There are certain, if you will, and, and since we're talking about words, there are certain ones where people will use a certain phrase and, you know, the, 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 we, we've got, with the exception of one, one younger guy back there, they use a, a phrase that starts with son of, right? And we all kind of know what we're talking about here. It's not, you know, mince, mince words. We know what we're talking about. Do you realize that that is a direct reference to Jesus Christ? Because it's referring to his mother as something that she's not, meaning that he is of that same type. Calling Jesus Christ a dog? That's what the Pharisees did. This is why, again, you know, you start looking at all those things and you see, oh, man, yeah, man is without excuse. Man is without excuse. But when we start looking at this here, he's saying, obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves. Again, very difficult things. For they must give an account. Excuse me. For they watch for your souls, excuse me, as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. You realize that everybody that's in authority has to give an account? Has to give an account to God. And people that disregarded the authorities, they think, well, there's no harm with that. You know, I don't necessarily have to obey that person. Well, if they're given an account, you want them to be able to do it with joy. One of the things that I would always relish, and before the whole HR world got all PC, and now you can't say anything other than, yes, I confirm that the the employee was employed for that period of time. You can't even say whether it was good, whether it was bad, whether you fired them, whether they quit. You can't say any of that anymore, it seems like. 
Otherwise, you open yourself up for, for, for slander or liable, depending on how it was communicated. But, 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 but the end result is, is you, you, you look at it here and he says, you want to do it with joy. I, I, if there was an employee that, you know, there had to be a layoff or something of that nature and you're getting rid of one of your best employees, man, you wanted to be able to, you know, give a, a glowing recommendation to whomever it was that was going to hire that person. That basically that when they walk in the door and they say, here's my recommendations, you need to call this person first. You wanted to be the one that got that phone call and say, Hey, I'm calling about such and such. And you're like, Oh, they are such a wonderful employee. I wish that I did not have to, 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 to do that layoff. I wish I did not have to, you know, I wish I could have retained them, whatever it may be, however the case is. And you just, you, 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 you want to basically sing praises of how great a job they did. And, and as believers, we want to do that especially people that are in those authorities, whether we're talking about Sunday school teachers, junior church teachers, youth pastors, pastors. We want to be able to do it with joy and and just, you know, every time we think of that person, just go, oh, yeah, man. Man, I wish I had a hundred of those people, right? Whereas somebody says somebody else's name and you're like, oh, (laughs) And you immediately just kind of like, no, 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 let's change subject matters. You know, let's talk about something else. You don't want to be that individual. So in order to do that, there has to be this. But I point all of this out to say one thing that that, that is very much a principle here in Hebrews. If you are going to be an authority over anything, you are going to give an account. You're going to give an account. Every husband of every household will give an account. You'll give an account. Now, to me, that's just a tad bit terrifying, isn't it? As a believer, you stand in front of God and he says, well, I made you the husband and, uh, you know, because, you know, he doesn't mess up with uh, genders, by the way. Um and uh you 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 were head of the household uh so uh tell me how did you rule did you rule self-willed did you rule uh in a dictatorship kind of way did you rule and abuse power in such a way that those things are wood, hay, and stubble? Or did you rule with such a way that uh, you brought glory to God and you resem- and, and showed, if you will, that truly that you were a son of God and you, 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 were, you were a Christian and you followed him and you worked to labor and, and, if you will, really make those souls that you had that, have that impact on gleam for the glory of God? We've got to give an account. As a pastor, I have to give an account. Sunday school teachers have to give an account. Junior church teachers have to give an account. Anybody that has, if you will, that teaching capacity over another person that we're just talking about is going to have to give an account. So let's go back over to the book of James real quick. In James chapter 3, where he says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. That verse just took on a whole different meaning, didn't it? Yes, it is the responsibility of the individual that hears and listens to obey. But it is the responsibility of somebody that is going to be in that position to ensure that what they communicate is the wisdom of God. And in order to do that, they need to make sure that what comes out of their mouth is what God wants. It's what God wants. 
and, and, and if, if those that are in encounter are going to have to give, uh, excuse me, those that are in authority have to give an account for, for the use that's there. Interestingly enough, James is saying, be careful. Because there is a limit. Make sure that you understand that, 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 you know, with as many masters, don't, don't be looking for those positions that you're just continually over a whole bunch of people. You know, I look at that verse and I would sit there and say, man alive, somebody needs to really teach that to every presidential candidate. Why? Because they're in a position of authority, if you will, a master. And guess what? They've got a many, many, many people they're over. The saved president is going to have to stand in front of God one day and give an account. And there may be some things that the Lord really has to condemn with what they do. Now, I'm not talking about condemnation as in going to hell. Let's, let's understand that concept. But there are certain things that, 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 that we as human beings do that must be condemned. Meaning that God says, no, that is not acceptable. That cannot be allowed. When you condemn a building, that means you say no entrance. This is dangerous. We don't want anybody to say that about what words we're speaking if they're from the flesh, if they're from the wrong heart motive, if they're from the wrong desires. We have to be very careful about that. You know, it's very obvious because when we look at this, and we start putting two and together, two and two together about, you know, people that are in authority and teaching positions, rulers and so on and so forth. They have that, that authority. And we often refer to that as I talked about as power. Our words have power. If you don't think our words have power, then you don't understand what God says about our words. That's again why I'll bring it up. I cannot stand that saying. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words and names will never hurt me. Uh, baloney. <laughs> baloney. Because I'll tell you this, a word that is spoken in a vitral, hateful manner by somebody that was cared about towards another can hurt worse than a physical wound. Can hurt worse than a physical wound. A lot of people push aside those, those things about verbal abuse and they say, well, that's not really abuse. We're only talking, you know, abuse is only relegated to physical uh, type abuse. No, it's not. No, it's not. Nobody has any right to verbally abuse anyone else. Well, how do we know that concept? Do you see God verbally abusing you? Or is he the shepherd that goes and finds the wayward sheep and drags him back, gets him cleaned up, saves him from the mouth of the wolf and the, and, and, and the lion that is walking about seeking whom he may devour, And set you back on that right path? When the prodigal came back, was the father physically or verbally abusive to him? The brother was. The brother said some things that really kind of were nasty when you think about it. Because he's like, what about me? And the father's like, what, you don't care about him? Priorities were messed up. 
So here we are looking at this, and it's something that we really truly have to begin to understand. There's a lot of verses that we want to go, that I want to go through. So I want us to turn to the book of Proverbs really quickly as we begin to kind of launch into this. And I want to show you that this is not just, you know, if you will, some random passage of scripture that that we're talking about uh, Proverbs chapter 15 <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 15 and and take a look here at what he says and we're going to we're going to go through a few of these passages but Proverbs chapter 15 and in verse 23 it says a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season how good it is it is good when we learn and discern, if you will, the seasons of speech. There's a time to be cold in speech. There is a time to be abundant in growth in speech. All of these things, you know, if you want to compare them to the four seasons, but there is a certain time and a certain way to say what God wants you to say. And it takes a very adept ear tuning into the Holy Spirit, listening and waiting for his voice and his leading to say it the right way at the right time. This is what he says. He says right there, a word spoken in due season, how good it is. Take a look at in, in this chapter, since we're here, take a look at a couple of these other verses. Take a look at uh, verse 1, giving an example. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Man, it, it, right there, every single last one of us knows, it, it, it can, can probably even picture certain conversations we've had where a lot of this applies where we sometimes give that soft answer and things just kind of smooth over. And sometimes we just dump gasoline on the fire and then wonder why everything is on fire and everything's burning down and, you know, you know, like, oh, what did I do? You said the wrong thing. What you said was sinful and it shouldn't have been uttered. And let's be clear, if it's not said the right way, God's way, and it's not said at the right time in God's timing, it's of your own will. We have to be careful with that. We have to be careful with that. Take a look at verse uh, verse 4 here as he goes a little bit further. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. You ever study out the tree of life? Shows up in Genesis and shows up in Revelation. It's at the beginning and it's at the end. Why? Because it's with God. It's his tree. Because God is the giver of life. And if somebody is speaking things that are wholesome, according to the the words that God has us speak, that wholesome tongue versus the other tongue that James is talking about, that we often just... Let fly. That wholesome tongue is going to be something that is what's godly giving life and helping grow. The wholesome tongue is going to help grow a relationship. The wholesome tongue is going to help mend friendships and heal. The wholesome tongue is is the one that is going to encourage and, if you will, help people along the way, ministering unto them that we talked about just the other day. But he says here, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. A breach is a very serious thing. There's, there's a couple of ways you can look at breaches. You can look at breaches in the physical sense in, in that if there's a breach in a dam, run. <laughs> Why? Because you're about ready to be drowned. You know, the people that live near dams, they've got those big warning sirens that, that start sounding off. You know, if you've ever lived near one of those, uh, I've, I've lived around a couple of them, and you're just kind of there, and all of a sudden you hear that, 
and you're like, oh, okay, you know, it's the testing. We're, you know, we're okay. We're fine. Otherwise there would have been an alert, right? Right? <laughs> you know, you're like, you get a little nervous with that. But if there's a breach, that's a serious thing. Why? Because it's going to let go a lot of things that didn't, that, that, that's not where it's supposed to be at that time. Breach in a, in, in a legal sense is one of the most serious things that you can do. When you breach a covenant, when you breach an agreement, you are basically saying, I don't care. And that is a very big problem. That's when the litigators and the attorneys start going, man, they start seeing dollar signs. That's what happens there. The only people that benefit from that, by the way, are the attorneys. Because they get their attorney fees, which are substantial in those type of cases. But here he's talking about a breach in the spirit. The life that we have, the life that's been given by God, he's saying there's a significant problem that's there. There's a, a breach in the communication between us and God. There's a breach in the relationship between us and God. There's, there's, a, there's a breach where there should be, uh, you know, if you will, a hole where there should be something that is solid and sure. That's a problem. Take, take a look at a, another Proverbs. Go, let's go back a little bit. Go to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6 and in verse 2, he says, uh, Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Solomon just said, the reason that we trip up and we fall into where we shouldn't be is because of what we say. You ever talk yourself into a problem? We try to talk ourselves out of the problems real quick. Did you ever talk yourself into one? It, it, yeah. It, it, it can get scary really fast. You know, just kind of, if you will, kind of a lighthearted thing to, to think about. One time when I was living up in Bellevue, Washington, um, uh, they, uh, Amy and I were, we were coming out of a, a mall and there was all this police activity. It happened to be around where I lived at the time. And, uh, we, we, you know, I walked up to, to one of the officers and I saw him sitting there and he had his lights on and stuff and was looking around, seeing all these officers running around, helicopters in the air and stuff. And I said, uh, what's going on? I just live down the road. I just want to make sure everything's safe and, you know, stuff like that. And he goes, yeah, we're looking for, you know, robbery suspect. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, we think we've got him cornered, you know, kind of cornered to this area. We've got the perimeter set up and stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay. No problem. I said, if you don't mind me, in case I see somebody that looks suspicious in, in my neighborhood, what's the description? And he said, uh, oh, you know, uh, male, about six, six one, uh, blonde hair, um, uh, Caucasian, um, wearing a white t-shirt and jean shorts, which I was wearing jean shorts at the time. Yeah, those were a thing back in the day. Um, and, and he just kind of turns and he looks at me. And I'm looking at him and I was like, Oh no, what did I just do? It's like I talked myself into the problem. And he goes, No, you're not the guy I know. And you know, it didn't quite fit all the description, but we can talk ourselves into a problem really quickly, can't we? And he says, this is what happens. This is why the tongue has to be tamed because we're going to put ourselves in a place of harm. We're going to put ourselves in a place of hurt. I don't think anybody in here would willingly jump into a furnace that's burning at 3,000 degrees. But the way that God describes the tongue in, in, in James chapter 3, he describes it as we are putting ourselves in that type of a situation. We have enough sense to not do that physically. 
sometimes we don't have enough sense to do that spiritually. We get ourselves into a problem. Take a look at what he says in verse 10 here. In Proverbs chapter 6 is a very interesting chapter. I don't have time to go into all of the the, the, the nuances of Proverbs chapter 6, but Proverbs chapter 6 is a very pivotal chapter in the Bible. There, there, I mean, there's a lot that are pivotal, and then there's some that you're just like over there in First Chronicles, you're like, I can't even pronounce that name. You're over there in Genesis chapter 4, and who begat who? What? And, and you're trying to put it all together, right? Or Genesis chapter 5, I should say. And you're trying to figure all that out. Well, this is one that's very, 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 very clearly an important passage of Scripture. It's one that really should be read often and frequently. And he says here in uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 6 and in verse 10, uh, excuse me, not uh, uh, not verse 10, um, uh, down here in verse uh, 16, he says, These uh, six things doth the Lord hate, a seven are an abomination unto him. He starts off with a proud look, so we obviously know, because we talk about that frequently, pride is not in God's uh, uh, toolbox. He does not like it. But look at the next thing that happens, a lying tongue. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running uh, to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, there's another having to deal with the mouth. And he that soweth discord among the brethren, there's the third thing. Three out of the seven things that God hates, or, or excuse me, three out of the six that he hates, the seven being the abomination, are words that are not what he wants. Lying, false witness, and sowing discord. Words. Words. Take a look over at chapter 10 of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 10. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 10 has a lot about the mouth. I told you that, you know, when you start studying the book of Proverbs, you find that it's not just a, a smattering of this here and a smattering of that there and just kind of like hodgepodge put together. A Proverbs chapter 10 has a lot to deal with the mouth and the, what comes out of it because you find, uh, down here into verse 11, it says the, the mouth of a, a righteous man is a well of life. Meaning it just keeps giving and it just keeps giving and it just keeps giving and it just keeps giving. But violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. People that uh, speak violence. Now, I'm not talking, you know, people talk about, well, you have violent speech towards me. No, I'm talking about people that are just flat out saying, I want to kill you, okay? I'm not talking about the fact that, you know, somebody said something the wrong way in not a politically correct sense, okay? And he makes it very clear that that violence is what, you know, again, is going to be coming out of this individual. It says, covereth the mouth of the wicked. It means that the filter that he uses, he speaks through, is going to be violent towards you. It's going to be, as I talked about, words have power. Words have power. Take a look at another verse here where you go down to verse 13. It says, in the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found. This is important because we find that over in James chapter 3 where he's talking about wisdom again. In the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found. A person that understands what they're talking about is going to be somebody that can communicate that wisdom. It's going to be there. You ever have somebody talk about something that they have no idea what they're talking about? I'll tell you this. Trying to have a conversation as an example with Mike Nemeth about masonry, I'm going to be like, stone is stone, man, right? And he's going to be looking at me going, no. I'm like, don't you, it, it's pretty easy. Don't you just slap it up there? And he's going to be like, no. If I have a conversation with him about masonry, he's going to look at me like, I, I don't know anything. Because that's his job. That's what he does. That's what he, he, he engages in. He's aware of it. He's got understanding and wisdom about that. 
so much wisdom that our sign out there, even though the plastic part's broken, that sign's been hit three times by, you know, different cars, and the, 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 the cars are in more serious trouble. That thing doesn't even have a crack in it. I call it the tombstone. Because it kills cars. I mean, it's just, it, it's, that's, that's how good it is. You saw what the city did? They put the sidewalk around it because they didn't even want to try to move that thing. Because it was in the right of way. But here he says, in the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found. But a rod is for the back of him that is void of understanding. And interestingly enough, as we've talked about before, when we start talking about the rod, we're not talking about a physical rod all the time. We're talking about a rod that is the rod of the word of God out of the mouth of God. Like we see over there when Jesus Christ comes back and he talks about ruling and reigning with a rod of iron. Do you think he's going to go ahead and anytime somebody messes with him, he takes a big iron stick and smacks somebody with it? Or do you think it's by the words of his mouth? Because it's by the words of his mouth, things were created and things are destroyed. It's by the word of, uh, word of God, all things consist. He holds it together with the power of his word. This is what that's talking about. Take a look at another verse in the same chapter, chapter uh, 10. Take a look at verse 14. Continuing on. Wise men lay up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. What do we find? Somebody that is operating as a fool, that, that that has a disregard for God, is going to be an individual that you have to be very careful of because they're, as he says here, near destruction. They're walking in a minefield. They're skipping through it thinking there's no problems at all. Not knowing that destruction is right at their foot. Maybe with the next step. They don't grasp that concept. Take a look at what he says in verse 18. Verse 18, the same chapter. He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth slander is a fool. Why is that? Because here's an individual that doesn't consider the words that are coming out of their mouth that God hears. He disregards that fact. Well, God doesn't care what I say. God doesn't care what I say in secret. God doesn't care what I say in my heart. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Take a look at verse 19. In the multitudes of word, words, there wanteth not sin. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. You know what that verse just told us? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> That's, I mean, essentially, sometimes it's just best that we just don't speak. And sometimes it's just best that we don't say anything. And God's saying that's considered wise. Why? Because when you start adding a lot of those things in there, again, being many masters, you're going to start creating a lot more problems for yourself. You're going to you're going to start putting yourself in some jeopardy. Verse 20, the tongue of the just is as choice silver and the heart of the wicked is little worth. Now this is interesting because when we start looking at this, anytime you see silver there's there's typically a connection with something. And it has to do with redemption and the word of God. Because he talks about over in Psalm chapter 12 that he's purified his word, uh, you know, like silver. Silver is often, you know, connected to redemption because, again, that was the price of a soul under the Old Testament law. And that was the price that Jesus was sold for was silver. And it was also the price that Joseph was sold for silver. Redemption, buying. So what we find here is he's saying that the tongue of the justice is choice silver. Meaning, you know, if we really look at that, he's talking about what's going to come out of our mouths is going to be the very specific words that God's wanting. It's going to be what God wants. In verse 21, he says, the lips of the righteous feed many, but the fools die for want of wisdom. 
what we say is go- might be the necessary food that somebody needs to hear. And the only way it's going to be necessary food for them is if it's scriptural according to Job. Because remember, Job, the only thing that he had was words that were spoken, not words written down. Take a look at these last two verses here in this chapter, and we'll, we'll kind of call it uh, quits for the night. But in, in, in uh, chapter 10 and verse 30, it says the righteous, um, whoops, is that the right one? Hold on a second. Nope, verse 31, it says, In the mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the froward tongue shall be cut out. The froward tongue is that that one, as I said before, that word frowardness is somebody that is seditious, somebody that is uh, trying to overthrow, is rebellious, if you will, uh, um, in that sense. And he's saying that is something that is going to be removed. You know, in the millennial reign, if you will, smarting off towards Jesus Christ isn't going to get anybody any place really quickly. You know, we've seen some of those uh, those clips where people mouth off to the judge and the judge is like, oh, really? You want to spend more time in jail? You know, they start adding time and months to these people's sentences because they they start, you know, saying things. I'm not sure exactly what that would even begin to look like if somebody tried to mouth off to God, Jesus Christ. There he's in Jerusalem and some guy smarts off at him. Um, yeah, uh, I could just see the whole crowd just go. <laughs> Those that know would move to the side very quickly. They'd be like trying to get out of the building as fast as possible. I mean, he just, I, I, I don't even know what that would look like. But he's saying very clearly that's not going to be something that's even allowed. God talks a lot about it, and there's a lot more that's in here, but I want to I do want to read one more passage of scripture, and that's found over in Proverbs chapter 16. Again, to just kind of reinforce one thing, Proverbs chapter 16. Verse 27. An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is as a burning fire. This is how God views an individual that we're talking about over there in James chapter 3 that doesn't control it. There's an ungodliness to it. There's an ungodly attitude. There's an ungodly speech pattern. God wants to make sure that when we are saying the things that we say, they should be godly. The next week we're going to continue on with more. I know I didn't get as far, obviously, as I wanted. Didn't even get close to getting to, to verse eight at all. But 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 as we begin to understand this and look at it, there's a lot that's said here, and I don't want to run roughshod over this because I want us to really truly understand one of the biggest problems that we have is what we say. And again, I, I don't know what the current statistic is, but it used to be somewhere between 82 to 88% of all problems in any relationship, specifically talking about marriages, couples, uh, is, is, is communicative. Saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. Saying the right thing at the wrong time. Saying the wrong thing at the right time. <laughs> Depending on how you look at it, uh, all those things, it, it just, it really creates a problem. Let's just put it this way. Human beings are poor communicators. We are. We are. And I would say if somebody actually had a book where they knew how specifically to communicate a hundred percent the best all the time, that they should, you know, they should need to, to, to put it out there so that we can buy it so that we know it. Well, somebody already did. It's the Bible. The best form of communication ever. Written down, perfect, 
inspired, preserved, given to us by God as a gift. We need to make sure our words are going to match what this book says. Let's go ahead and be dismissed with a word of prayer. We'll go ahead and uh, again um, talk a bit more about this next week. But uh, one thing I do want to mention about our Bible studies, yes, we are looking towards that impending snowpocalypse, uh, you know, 2.0 or whatever they're calling it now. Um, that uh, If there's issues with uh, um, the Bible studies, we'll try to make sure that we get that posted out there, um, letting people know that those have been canceled. Uh, look at the Slack accounts, Facebook, and we'll try to, try to message as many people as we possibly can to let everybody know. Uh, if those wind up getting canceled, I don't want somebody, to, you know, getting into any type of serious auto accidents because, you know, the people around here, I don't know, it's like a requirement that they don't know how to drive. Um, so I'm not saying I'm the best driver in the world, but I've lived all over uh, the Pacific Northwest and for some reason down here in Portland, they can't seem to figure that one out. I don't know what it is. It's got to be something in the water, but... It is what it is. Uh, let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer and uh, we'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time. Thank you again for what you give to us uh, from your word. I pray, Lord, that uh, we would strive to please you and to honor you with uh, everything that we say and do, that uh, the, the, the words of our mouth, Lord, would be honoring and pleasing to you. I pray, Lord, that we would take uh, these verses that we've learned, and even though we didn't get far with uh, James, but the other ones that we've read, Lord, we'd begin to understand that uh, that in the positions we're put, and even if it's a position where we teach somebody or we're showing somebody, that, Lord, the words that come out of our mouth uh, that are teaching should be ones that are pleasing, honoring, and glorifying unto you. I pray, Lord, you just take us home safely tonight. And all of this I ask and pray in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.